Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm still Cosm. <laughs> That's good, we were worried. <laughs> How do you know who you are? Oh. Is that the wrong <laughs> kind of esoteric bullshit for this podcast? No, it's perfect. <laughs> that's like a that's like a three AM question. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you know who you are, man? Like how do you know? <laughs> what if like the blue I see is different from the blue you see? <laughs> oh it might okay. be. You, you said the blue eye and I, I just immediately started thinking of Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> and now I see what you're talking about. <laughs> but Of course you immediately thought of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. <laughs> hope everybody enjoys my echo today because now my house is even emptier than it was last time whoa you got <laughs> <Enjoy>. robbed <laughs> no I took all my stuff out it's the opposite I'm trying oh. to make money by taking mm. stuff yeah, like out. I robbed myself <laughs> I robbed myself I, all I did was rob myself of time and not being sore <laughs> Is that does that make sense yeah I think that makes sense I follow along anyways good times I followed along <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, I can't believe that I said this earlier, so this is cheating. But I can't believe that this end the ended the way that it ended. How did you read this volume before? Because now we're at the end of whatever volume it was. That we were on twenty four. How did you read this before and then like not know what was going to happen next? Painfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like I also said before, uh, when you read the next chapter, you're going to be glad I didn't decide to stop us there. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I assume that there's like cliffhanger after cliffhanger in the next couple. Mm-hmm. Couple, we're like mm-hmm. ten away from the end now. About oh my god, mm-hmm. yeah, we're at yeah. the point where it was really hard for me to like decide where to divide up the chapters when I was first going through them. I mean, like everything makes, leads into the next one. It makes sense. I was just really upset. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, but they're they got taken away. What's gonna happen now? <laughs> Isn't we got taken out of Olivier's hand? <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. <laughs> As Ellen alluded to, we're discussing chapters 98 and 99 today, since we haven't even gotten far enough to say that. <laughs> I didn't allude to it. I just straight up said what the end of the last one was. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I'm excited. <laughs> so many characters. Anyway, you should do the summary so we can talk about yeah. it. Yes. Yep. Not so, to yeah, we'll do our summary before. recap so that uh, Ellen doesn't burst. Alright, so chapter 98 picks up where we left off, with Greed standing atop the main gate of Central HQ and talking to Bradley down below. You should have just stayed quiet and ran away, Bradley says. Greed grins and readies his clawed hand. Sorry, but my greed knows no limits. That's why I want your life, too, Wrath. We then cut to some Central soldiers hunkered down elsewhere on the battlefield. They discuss the Fuhrer's return, and if they should regroup and try taking back the command center, though the presence of the dull soldiers makes them wary. From beneath a grating under their feet, Lanfon listens in. Bradley is at the front gate, she thinks to herself. Back outside the gate, Greed drum- <laughs> drums. Like a drunk drum? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's probably accurate for Greed. And then pick up a rattlesnake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely the homunculus most likely to get bit by a rattlesnake, I think. <laughs> I 
what did I... <laughs> He's like got a giant like boa constrictor with his like feathery um <laughs> feathery leathery thing that he was wearing before. Mm-hmm. You know, his old outfit. Mm-hmm. His little wee sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would it all <laughs> women, you know, whatever, money, power, and the snake is just like flicking its little tongue Snake's just like i want rat (laughs) (laughs) he needed his own nagini you know yeah (gasps) that was martel that was her job (gasps) she was part snake i forgot yeah he did have a snake (laughs) (laughs) he did did have a snake companion (laughs) and martel is like i want rat That I wasn't gonna interrupt you, but I lied. <laughs> the other ones are like, "That's cool, Mel, but do you have to eat them whole?" <laughs> <laughs> the the little rat tail sticking in her mouth, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> she wants rat. He wants rat. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> I don't even know what that's a reference to. <laughs> rat. Oh, rat. rat. Right now, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you just said she wants red. He wants red. <laughs> Everybody wants red. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I thought you were <laughs> you're making a sound like a snake, not a rat. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, everybody wants red. What's the truth? <laughs> Like, it's not funny, that's just truth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a little later than we usually record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back outside the gate, Greed jumps down to confront Bradley, while most of the Briggs troops around him react with confusion. Greed asks Bradley how he survived the train explosion that was supposed to have killed him, and Bradley explains how he used his special eyes to plot a safe path out of the falling rubble in a split second and escape. I'm happy they showed it. I complained about that last time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, hey, look at him hopping out of the thing. That's how he did it. I'm yeah. satisfied with his answer. <laughs> <laughs> with his special eyes, as you said. <laughs> but I'm getting old, he adds, rubbing at his neck. My body can't keep up as well as it used to. Greed narrows his eyes, looking over at the tank Bradley just destroyed. His physical strength is past its peak, yet he did all this damage, he thinks. At this point, Fallman chimes in, recognizing Greed as Ling Yao, and Ling briefly takes control to thank him for letting him hole up in that crappy apartment back during the whole Barry the Chopper Maria Ross prison escape incident. I owe you a debt for giving me food and shelter. I'll give you a hand, he says, turning back to Bradley as Greed resumes control to finish. But to tell you the truth, I'm only doing it for personal reasons. Greed lunges forward as Bradley raises his sword and the two begin to clash. Greed at first tries circling around to Bradley's blind spot, a trick he says his buddy on the inside taught him. But Bradley quickly turns the tables by removing his eye patch and exposing his ultimate eye. The nearest group of Briggs soldiers, noticing Greed struggling, quickly take aim at Bradley and try to help. Greed starts to shout that they're going to get themselves killed, just in time for Bradley to turn and retaliate, slicing through the soldiers in seconds. Buccaneer roars in rage to see his comrades fall and leaps for Bradley, who quickly turns and runs him through with his sword. But it's not quite a clean victory, as Bradley finds himself unable to easily pull the sword back out, and then a powerful swing of Buccaneer's fist forces him back empty-handed. You have some strong abs, Bradley comments mildly, while Buccaneer, sword stuck through his body and still shaking from his other serious injuries, grins in satisfaction. No more relying on your precious sword skills. 
Greed scolds Buccaneer for the recklessness, then praises him for the good work as he jumps back in to take advantage of the situation. But Bradley simply grabs a pair of hunting knives off the fallen Briggs soldiers' bodies and raises them in time to deflect the attack. Not my weapon of choice, but these will do, he says as Greed jumps back again. A little ways away, the Central soldiers are beginning to regroup with the Fuhrer back and distracting their enemies. The officer in charge orders everyone not to interfere with the Fuhrer's battle and to focus on the rebel soldiers, and they pick up their weapons and prepare to take the main gate back. Fallman spots the Central soldiers approaching and raises the alarm, calling for the cannons to be fired, but the other Briggs soldiers protest that it takes some time to set up and they can't fire rapidly. Greed, struggling against Bradley, calls out that he has his hands full, so Fallman needs to deal with the Central Soldiers, as well as Buccaneer, who has finally collapsed from his injuries. But we're totally outnumbered, Fallman cries. What do you expect me to do? Figure something out, is all Greed offers, before focusing fully on his fight again. Meanwhile, the Central Troops are discussing contacting the other squads on the inside to help them take the gate from within, but when they pick up the receiver to do so, they find the line has been cut. Then a bomb suddenly explodes, covering the field in smoke, and a black cloud figure emerges from the cloud and begins to incapacitate soldiers left and right. The figure rushes up the steps to the main gate and joins the fight against Bradley. He draws attention and dodges Bradley's retaliatory strike, then lands gracefully nearby, revealing himself to be none other than Fu. It's Fu. He's back. Yeah, yeah. Yay. <laughs> Not bad, old man, Greed says, impressed. Fu grumbles over Greed clearly being the one in control of the prince's body right now though he allows that the homunculus's aura was what allowed him to track him down. He focuses on Bradley and asks, Who is this man who faces our combined strength, yet remains unscathed? That's King Bradley, Greed answers. Fu reacts with shock, then narrows his eyes. Aho! At last we meet face to face, he says. He grips his sword tight and glares fiercely at his opponent. So, you're the bastard who cut off my granddaughter's arm. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> To kick his ass. <laughs> Get him. Get him. <laughs> Over at the radio station, news of Bradley's return has reached the employees, who rush to pass the news on to Mrs. Bradley. She begins to cry with relief, then quickly asks after Salem, though they of course have no news on that front. Roy's people listen in unhappily as they explain that Bradley is currently leading an attack against Briggs' rebels. Breda decides the best thing to do is pin all the blame for the coup on Major General Armstrong and steps in to begin spinning that story to Mrs. Bradley and the radio crew. Fury and Maria leave the room, looking a little uneasy about the whole thing. They discuss Mrs. Bradley's safety with the Fuhrer back, as well as their own, as they head downstairs, but a commotion near the front entrance interrupts their conversation. Rebecca, one of the ones on guard, lets them know that the soldiers outside apparently want to negotiate and are sending in one unarmed man. Maria comes closer to peer out the door as the man approaches. She looks surprised, then smiles. It's all right. Let him through, she says. He's someone we can trust. Because, of course, the man they sent in is Denny Brosh. It's Denny. <laughs> Maria waves when he walks in the door, and Denny, on seeing the partner he thought brutally murdered for months, begins to weep openly to her slight discomfort. <laughs> it's very sweet. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> Back inside the HQ building, the older General Izumi found last time cowers now before the combined might and fury of both Izumi and Olivier, as he explains <laughs> the whole plan of sacrificing countless citizens so a select few could, could attain immortality. That's one of my favorite panels in the whole series. Mm -hmm. It's really good. I like that their muscle <laughs> is behind them also. There are additional yeah. behind them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just the, like, the two of them like 
towering over him and glaring. Mm -hmm. My favorite panel is actually the one that comes up shortly where they both punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Alex asks if the Fuhrer knows about all this, and the general says that he was in fact created to... And the general says that he was in fact created to help bring the plan to fruition. The world has become weak, he insists. Someone needs to revive it. So for that, it has to first be destroyed, Izumi asks with disgust. And the general begins to rant and rave. Not destruction, rebirth. As you alchemists would say, it's the reconstruction after the deconstruction. It's not death we're giving the ordinary citizen. Rather, they will live on eternally within us. And then, together, we will rule a united world. All is one and one is all. We, the chosen ones of Amestris, will... Zumi loses her patience with this bullshit at this point and just straight smacks him across the face with one of her slippers. While he grabs at his cheek in shock, Izumi turns to the nearby soldiers. Well, what are you lot gonna do? You heard the man. Is that the future you want? You gonna let him get away with that? The general jumps back in to try and insist that everyone needs to listen to him, only to be immediately smacked down again, this time by both Izumi's slipper and Olivier's boot as she kicks him. <laughs> the soldiers look at the general uncertainly. I... I'm a soldier, so... I have to follow the orders of my superior officers, one of them says. But honestly, as far as believing in something, I really don't know what to believe in anymore. Believe in yourself, Izumi tells him. Search your heart and choose a path that you won't be ashamed of. The soldiers look at each other and the general. A few step over to the window and look out over the city, talking to each other about their family and loved ones going about their lives out there. They step back to the general and, as one, begin to rip the ranks and insignias from their uniforms. Sir, this is our answer, they say, dropping them to the floor in front of him. With that settled, Olivier steps away to get in contact with her people in the command center and get a report on the situation. They tell her that it's not great and that central troops are gaining ground at every gate. They ask what her current position is, and when she says she's in the Fuhrer's office, they tell her that they've lost contact with all their allies in the surrounding areas, so she's likely surrounded by enemy troops. I see, Olivier says, looking toward the hallway. If your location comes under attack, retreat through the hole you came out of. Do not wait for me. The big soldier hesitates, but says, understood. Olivier ends the call and turns to the others to report the situation and the likelihood of an attack on their position. Everyone turns to look at the door opening into the deep stairwell. Down it is, they decide. Meanwhile, down in another part of the tunnels, Ed is very lost as he tries to lead everyone back to the rest of the group. <laughs> Roy makes fun of him, and Ed irritably shouts that this is all because they came back to save his ass. Roy argues that he didn't ask for him to come, and they begin to bicker obnoxiously, while Risa and Scar watch with exasperation. <laughs> They're too loud. The enemy will find us, Scar says, and Risa sighs. But she takes the opportunity to turn and express her gratitude to Scar. As an Ishvalan, I know you might resent this, but... I want to thank you for making the colonel see reason. Because of you, he was finally able to get rid of his demons. Thanks. Scar looks away. I don't need your gratitude. This potentially heartfelt moment is interrupted as Scar and Reza notice that Ed and Roy have suddenly fallen silent and taken up fighting positions. Ahead of them in the tunnel crouches everyone's favorite super creepy gold-toothed doctor. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> <creeps> me out. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> He grins unnervingly at them. Oh dear, this place is getting rather packed, isn't it? He says. I've never been one for crowds. Well then, let us begin. That's the end of chapter 98. It closes on a horrifying shot of all of the mistress with the 
like woon or whatever sound effect, which means that something bad is coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I've learned anything from the weird sound effects in this. <laughs> it's not quite as bad as zoo, 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 but... Zoo, 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 zoo means you're about to die at the hands of a shadow, but woon just means something bad is about to happen. <laughs> It's like every time Oops. there's like a shot of father sitting on his like weird throne, it's always like gloom yeah. in the background. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like ominous, like esoteric thrumming in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like that noise that's behind every like action movie uh, trailer, which is like mm-hmm. a deep bass noise sound. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I imagine, at least. Mm-hmm. Chapter 99 picks up back with the battle outside the main gate. The Briggs troops have got the cannon loaded and are doing their best to fend off the attacking central troops. Behind them, Buccaneer begins to stir again, coming back into consciousness, and he blurrily asks how they're doing as he starts to sit up. The others shout for him not to push himself, and not to touch the sword still stuck through his side so that he doesn't bleed to death. We'll find someone to patch you up, they promise, but Buccaneer collapses again, barely conscious, and just catching himself on his elbow. Nearby, Greedling and Fu are still fighting against Bradley, who continues to fend them off without too much difficulty. After a bit of back and forth, Bradley manages to knock Greed down and pin him to the ground by embedding one of his knives through Greed's coat. Now focused only on Fu, Bradley manages to pull the sword from his hand and send it spinning into the air. He then quickly throws his remaining knife at Fu and catches the sword out of the air as Fu grabs the knife before it strikes him. With his preferred weapon again, Bradley quickly takes the upper hand, though he's impressed with his opponent. Pray like you makes the hunt come alive, he says. I almost hate to kill you. He pushes forward aggressively, breaking Fu's knife and managing to get first blood with a strike that cuts through Fu's headband and nicks the skin just beneath. Fu jumps back, squinting and wiping at the blood now flowing into his eyes, and in that moment of weakness, Bradley moves in to finish the fight. He slashes upward and Fu falls, bleeding. Then he prepares to bring the sword down and end it. But something zips by, and Bradley's sword strikes empty ground. Greed, or rather Ling, has freed himself and pulled Fu to safety. Ling glares at Bradley, who quickly realizes that he's not facing Greed anymore. The same thing happened when I cut that girl's arm, Bradley says. You put your own life at risk for the sake of those who you cannot bear to abandon. Fu weakly tells his prince that he should abandon him, but Ling angrily refuses, saying that that would put him on Bradley's level. He's willing to abandon the people of his own country. I'll never be like him. Fu agrees that a man like that is unworthy to rule and must be defeated, but a coughing fit stops him from finishing the thought, and Ling urgently tells him to stop talking and rest. Fu gives a strange smile. Yes, rest would be nice. Before Ling can react, Fu suddenly knocks him on the back of the head, making him stumble and let go. Fu gets up and shouts for greed to harden his skin to protect the prince's body. Ling looks down in shock as the shield begins to cover his arms, then up as Fu runs past him. My prince... Become the king you are destined to be, Fu says, as he makes his dash toward Bradley. He pulls open the front of his shirt, revealing a row of grenades strapped to his chest. This old man will now take his eternal rest, he shouts, pulling the pins and starting the fuses while Ling cries out for him to stop. But it's too late for that, and Fu makes his leap toward the Fuhrer. I'm taking you with me to hell, Bradley. Bradley's eyes widen in surprise, but even this isn't enough to best his incredible sight and reflexes, and he quickly strikes out with his sword. The blade severs the fuses from the grenades, completely disabling them, and also cuts deep into Fu's abdomen. The blood gushes as Fu begins to fall. I sacrificed my life, and left not a scratch on him, he thinks in despair. My prince, I have failed you. 
but then Bradley's eyes widened in even greater shock as a sword is suddenly thrust through his side. You might have godlike eyesight, but even you can't block an attack you don't see coming, Buccaneer growls, revealing that he's pulled Bradley's own sword from his body and thrust it through the dying foo to strike their target. Blood flows freely from the now-open wound in his side, but Buccaneer still grins. Old-timer, let's walk that bastard to hell, together, he says. Fu closes his eyes and smiles. Yes, that's kind of you. Bradley grits his teeth in anger at having been hit and kicks them both away, but another attack is incoming before he can fully recover. Greed, Ling, or both, with furious tears streaming from his eyes. He lashes out at Bradley with enough force to break the sword he attempts to block with and lands a blow to the side of his head, and the fight continues. And up above on the walls of the gate, Lon Fawn has arrived just in time to watch her grandfather fall. Back underground, Ed's group warily faces the old gold-toothed doctor, who stands below a bulging convergence of pipes and wires in the ceiling. Who are you? Ed asks, transmuting his automail blade. The doctor scratches his chin, considering... I guess you could call me the man who created King Bradley. This immediately makes Roy remember Bradley's explanation of his backstory, and he readies his alchemy gloves, identifying the doctor as being on their side. So it's going to come down to that after all, eh? The doctor says with a sigh. Then you leave me no choice. He gestures with his hand, and a group of sword-wielding men suddenly drop into the room from the ceiling and begin to fight the group, buying time for the doctor. The men have strange movements and expressionless faces, to the point where Roy initially thinks they're more doll soldiers, until they get closer. The Doctor is more than happy to explain what they really are. They are the men who failed to become King Bradley. They were brought here as infants. They endured all manner of training, hoping to become the future Fuhrer. But once we succeeded in creating King Bradley after twelve attempts, we had no further use for the other candidates. They were the ones who never tasted the Philosopher's Stone. In other words, they are the Leftovers. The doctor grins as the men viciously fight their opponents with no show of emotion or reaction. These men have known nothing but combat training for the past 60 years, he continues. They may not compare to King Bradley, but they're still deadly. The fighting continues for a little while, until the doctor suddenly calls out for five of the men, calling them numbers 16, 17, 21, 23, and 26. The ones called immediately drop what they're doing to come and stand in a circle around the doctor, and Ed notices, a moment too late, the detailed transmutation circle now drawn at the doctor's feet. He grins as he kneels down to activate it, and alchemical energy arcs between him and the five men. Ed demands to know what he just did, and the doctor calmly says that it was just the first step, then asks Ed if he knows how many government-run alchemy research facilities there are in Central. Ed starts to say that there are four, before remembering the decommissioned and destroyed Lab 5. No. Five, he says his eyes starting to widen with realization as he remembers the transmutation circle beneath the lab, as well as the damaged mural of the Xerxes ruins. A transmutation circle with five apexes? Riza suddenly realizes something too and chimes in to say, could it be that the curved tunnel between lab number three is a perfect circle that connects the laboratories? And beneath each of these labs, the ground begins to rumble and transmutation energy sparks along the five points of the hidden transmutation circles. The ground above also begins to shake, and the people in the labs look around in alarm. Elsewhere in the city, Al's group has finally arrived, though Yoki's poor driving has forced them to abandon the wrecked car and continue on foot. It's okay, he still did the thing. He still has <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Al hurries them along, saying that they need to find a way into the underground areas as soon as possible, but he gets distracted for a moment by the sight of smoke rising from the HQ building. The group stops for a moment to wonder if that's Mustang's doing, and if things are going well. 
Then Heinkel suddenly flinches dramatically back and stares down at the ground, looking shaken. Al asks him what's wrong, but he doesn't answer, continuing to stare as he trembles. And across the city, other animals begin to react strangely as well. On the deep stairwell beneath the Fuhrer's office, Izumi announces that she's starting to get a bad feeling and thinks it's time for her to go. The group pauses, and Olivier turns to shake her hand and say it's been a pleasure fighting beside her. Izumi starts to say she'll just dig a tunnel like before. But then the transmutation circle made from the connected laboratories activates. Energy sparks around the city. Around the gold-toothed doctor, shadow hands begin to emerge from the ground and disintegrate the leftover Fuhrer candidates who do not move or struggle. Large staring eyes open in the ground beneath Ed, Al, and Izumi's feet. Hands reach up to grab them, disintegrate them, and pull them down. And then the eyes close, leaving nothing but empty space as their companions look around wildly in alarm. And that's the end of chapter 99. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> awesome said what I feel, I just don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the panel of... Izumi's hand, like, literally disintegrating out of Olivier's is what really got me. I was like, oh, no. Oh. Mm -hmm. Like, there was nothing they could do to stop them, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, what a good end. Mm -hmm. What a cliffhanger. Until later tonight when I can keep reading. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many things happened this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot in these two chapters. Oh, by the yeah, Wrath wasn't dead after all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that we hadn't speculated the whole time that he wasn't dead, but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, he did just like hop out of the train using his special eye. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, we just didn't expect him to 2D platform out of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's probably fine, but I definitely didn't mm -hmm. expect that. It makes me think of uh, in uh, Twilight Princess when you can like use Midna to like target little jumps <laughs> and you can like grab yeah she can like grab stuff with her grabby hand mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so you just yeah. like boing 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 <laughs> the best thing about twilight princess was shaking the Wii remote and jumping around like <laughs> flailing around mm -hmm, as like mm -hmm. a wolf link mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> spoilers for our legend of zelda whatever we're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> spoilers for way down the line <laughs> yeah i don't yeah so many so many games from now <laughs> i enjoyed i thought it was interesting like the the greed he says he came back for like personal reasons or whatever <laughs> but mm -hmm. those personal reasons were to protect everybody or whatever <laughs> mm -hmm. get also to yeah also to yeah. finish yeah. his uh, unfinished uh, business with wrath yeah so hopefully he wins this time but it didn't look good when we cut away mm -hmm. that's for sure <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, Fu's going to be able to get him, but nobody could get him. Actually, mm -hmm. no. I was really happy that Buccaneer was able to get him in the end. Yeah, yeah it's a it really was... good moment. That... Oh, so mm -hmm. good. I wasn't happy that Buccaneer got severely injured either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. I was like, no, he can't die. Not Buccaneer. <laughs> Look at his little light breed and his, his automail arm. He can't be dead. That's not acceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. But... And neither can Fu. Nobody's allowed to die. How dare. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I like that he's like, well, even if you can't see it coming, then you can't block it. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. And like stabs him through mm -hmm. Fu. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty great. He yeah. does seem really annoyed that he got... Uh, Wrath does seem really annoyed that he got hit at all, as you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody landed a blow. And then I guess Greed did too, as you said. Yeah, I was going to say he got... The head at the end. He got stabbed by uh, kind of Buccaneer, Buccaneer and Fu, I guess. And Fu. And then... Um, 
and then got uh, struck in the head by a Greedling. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's kind of both. I think of them, it is think. both of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're both. And uh, hmm? They're both pissed and <laughs> upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. And Ling was crying. I was like, "Oh no, mm-hmm. Ling!" Angry crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Lanfan's about to join the fight, which is exciting. Yeah, Lanfan can get mm-hmm. her revenge. Mm-hmm. You got there yeah. just in time to see her grandfather get mortally injured. Yeah, just in time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love Fu's little, like, sort of declaration of revenge on Bradley for yeah. injuring Long Fawn. Um, mm-hmm. You killed my father. Yeah. Prepare to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're the bastard that cut off my granddaughter's arm. I was like, yeah, Fu, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was about to make a My Name is an Eagle Montoya joke, replacing it with Fu. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think they ever talk about Fu's last name. I don't know if Fu has a last name. Yeah. Just Fu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost made a different Princess Bride reference earlier with the... Um, <laughs> Bradley says, like, I almost hate to kill you or whatever. As if he's like, I hate to die. <laughs> I'm not happy that the reinforcement, Central City reinforcement troops have arrived. Mm-hmm. That's not, yeah. not going to go well, I don't think. Yeah. We only had, like, two seconds of triumph before Bradley returned and then everything went back to shit. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we did it. We secured all the gates. And then he's like... <laughs> just kidding i'm back yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then they well they rode up with more weapons too so now they're all restocked and whatnot but mm-hmm. our our rebel companions are not so yeah although they did start using the cannons which was hilarious mm-hmm. yeah. crazy they're like we can't do that and they're like do it <laughs> and they start yeah. using them anyway like they don't have a tank anymore flying. so they have to use their cannons yeah Big guns. <laughs> I did enjoy um, Ed. This is related to Roy, but I enjoyed Ed, Ed being like super lost in the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, may come back. I need your special sensing powers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Scar could kind of tell, but I guess not. I forget. I guess it was just May and Fu and Lon mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he can really like sense anything. He just, uh, his alchemy doesn't get disabled. Mm, that's right. Because it has to do with uh, alchemy. Right. He didn't try to learn the dragon's pulse like Al did. <laughs> <laughs> By having May just yell at him. And May was all like, it's all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah. <laughs> that was her explanation. <laughs> well, Scar didn't bother to learn the dragon's pulse. He, he only learned how to destroy everything. So mm-hmm. He doesn't really construct anything using alchemy. Yeah, he's like, I just, he just need vengeance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when Risa was like, when Risa thanked him, he was like, all he said was, I don't need your thanks, but mm-hmm. you know what he really meant was, I love you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. it's not like he reacted vehemently like he probably would have in the past. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like their little like moment, like both the thank you, but also them just like staring exasperation as <laughs> Ed and Roy Bicker, <laughs> like children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like how, like, Ed's exactly at the level of, ma- of maturity he should be, because he's, like, 16, mm-hmm. but Roy, like, immediately yeah. descends to his level of maturity whenever they argue. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did, yeah, and Scar and Riso would definitely just be, like, like mm-hmm. communal sigh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it's a good moment. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you're right about the old to- doctor. I don't, still don't like him. He freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Does he have, like, a name? They still never gave him a name, right? 
I don't think so. I think he's yeah. like on the wiki as Gold Tooth Doctor or something. Which is... <laughs> That's his official fandom name. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't decide to call him the horrifying doctor or whatever. <laughs> the creepy doctor. I guess there's yeah. probably more than one creepy doctor in FMA. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was all those other yes. creepy doctors when they were trying to make uh, King Bradley. So mm-hmm. He was just the main creepy doctor. The most yeah. prominently drawn creepy doctor. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... FMA fandom wiki says the gold tooth doctor, also known as the alchemist doctor. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with creepy doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the gold tooth doctor. Yeah, he does have a prominent gold tooth. So yeah, it's his uh, most distinctive feature. And his creepiness. Although, yeah, it was like, although he just looks distinctive, but <laughs> he does. And as soon as he showed up, I was like, that guy's going to come back. And he definitely did in a big yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wasn't expecting anybody other than I mean I don't I don't know exactly what happened yet but I wasn't expecting anybody other than father than the homunculus to start the transmutation kind of like mm-hmm. attack. So whatever he did to kind of start the process whether it was just sending Ed Allen and Azumi through the portal for whatever purpose or if he actually started the the national transmutation activated the national tra- transmutation circle I wasn't expecting anybody other than the homunculus to do that so it was kind of mm-hmm. interesting that he did. Yeah. But it totally makes sense. Yeah, because like obviously he led all that research and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What's his deal? <laughs> Is he just <laughs> evil at heart? <laughs> like, what's in it for him? Does he think he's gonna get a position of power or whatever? Like all these other crazy people? I don't know. I like the um, the like bringing back of the other like Fuhrer candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were just a pile of dead bodies in the background. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. they were still semi-functional beings or whatever. Well, I think yeah. those... What's the, the, maybe the, those ones were the dead. Closet, yeah, yeah the it's like the ones... He says that these are the ones who never tasted the Philosopher's Stone. Since it's like... Oh, so they're just like programmed humans? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're just the... the uh, yeah, they're just the other ones that were raised in the Creepy Fuhrer school along with Bradley. Mm-hmm. And, and they would and they were after Bradley in line, so... Raised in the cult. Yeah, yeah. so they're... Okay, so they're just normal... Like programmed people is what I'm yeah. hearing. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. interesting. I thought they were the the reject, um, like philosopher stone rejects, mm-hmm. who no, somehow I think managed those ones are very not. dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what it seemed like for sure. That's why I was. Then I was like, well, maybe they somehow brought them back to life, and they're kind of zombies because they act like zombies. But if they're mm-hmm. just, they do, yeah. They can yeah, just they're be just uh, yeah, or brainwashed or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. They basically gave Bradley an identity after that. Mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. right like father gave him a name and gave him a position and stuff yeah and enabled him to like think yeah. more freely so i guess yeah because bradley says he doesn't like remember having a name or family or anything before no before that so i think then they all have numbers and stuff so. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he just calls them by numbers which is also creepy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well they have no identity they mm-hmm. and he calls them the the rejects or whatever mm-hmm. the um leftovers yeah the leftovers yeah more yeah. than just rejects mm-hmm. and the way they all just like, like un- unneeded calmly come and, and like do what he says and like don't react at all when the like mm-hmm. transmutation circle is devouring them like mm-hmm. yeah and one jumped in front of the bullets for him right is that what happened i, I mm-hmm. looked like reason was trying to shoot the doctor yeah that's and like true. one uh like jumped in and took the uh, bullets. i mean i remember they were just running around trying to attack it looks like Maybe they are. Maybe he is in front. I don't know. Yeah, because it looks like she was aiming for him, and then this guy jumped and then took the bullets. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. That's how. At least that's how I interpret it. But yeah, maybe. I mean, As a side note, I like how Risa just like never runs out of guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. No. She definitely has hammer space guns. Yeah. <laughs> well, they all got restocked by the ice cream truck, right? So she probably picked up something. Well, I mean, she had to shoot the. Well, she the shot dolls. a lot of them into envy. And that too. <laughs> right. I mean, she probably has some spare ammo, but. Yeah. No, she never. <laughs> she can never run out because that's her mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but I do like how many like you can actually physically see on her, even aside from just her oh, yeah, like yeah, in yeah. the fight. Like during the fight with envy, she drew. She had like extra. Like holsters and everything. She had them in her, mm-hmm. like on her back, on her legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where did we see that? But yeah, we, uh, we saw just how much she had, and it were, was like they were getting ready for the fight, like a, maybe like ten chapters ago at this point. Mm-hmm. When all of Is the Roy's yeah. group kind of like remet before he burned down the bar and met mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we were joking about how like her jacket is just to hide more guns rather than <laughs> yeah. actually actually needing it. Yeah. It's like how Bradley has like five swords. She has at least yeah. five guns at any given time. Mm-hmm. Does she, she also wield one with her butt? butt? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad we both. I was going to take the high road and not oh. go there. <laughs> what are you doing? That's it's not, not the high road if the if Arakawa made the joke first. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's I basically canon. That, <laughs> that Bradley was significantly lacking in butt swords. <laughs> he only had the one. Could have shoved the two yeah. little swords in his butt. <laughs> Well, he just uh, crawled out of the, you know, exploding train, so. Yeah, he was too busy yeah. platforming to pick up five swords, <laughs> all his swords from his office. Mm-hmm. He hasn't made it He got, he got hit by too many Goombas, lost some swords. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do like yeah, how he, he just picks up powers. some knives off of the Briggs soldiers and was like, these aren't my preferred weapon, but. I'll still mm-hmm. fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. And then he did. I like um, Ling slash Greed continuing to be like, this guy is willing to abandon the people of his own country and I'll never be like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I liked that panel. Yeah. I actually really liked some of the panels from the fight, like just the the visual um like the the visual language and the style of them, like the first one where it's like the the full page uh spread mm-hmm. of them when they initially clashed, which was good. Yeah. Um, but that part in particular too, because he's it's kind of like look this shot of like looking up at Bradley's face and it's all like in shadow and stuff. I enjoyed that one. But yeah, it was a good uh, dynamic fight in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Ling has principles. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed that Fu didn't get to blow Bradley up, but I guess he yeah. didn't die yet because there's only because there's nine more chapters or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just thought he was ready to do that though. Was <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then he was so disappointed when Bradley cut all the fuses. He's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I sacrificed my life for nothing." Mm-hmm. So sad. It's okay, Buccaneer made sure it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like Buccaneer and Fu would have gotten along. Mm-hmm. Sure. They probably would have liked Fu at Briggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the um. St- speaking about Briggs, reminded me of how they always talk about like survival of the fittest and people misinterpreting that. But I also really enjoyed this um, discussion of the sort of like misinterpretation of the alchemy, like all, one is all and all is one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because we had learned a long time ago kind of like what the sort of like real meaning of one is all and all is one is with the mm-hmm. when Ed and I were on the island as children back yeah. in the day. 
And then this dude being like, yeah, like they're all their souls are just going to be brought into us. And it's just like all one and all uh, one is all and whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And Izumi is like, like, shut like, all the up. way up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Like using things for your own gain isn't the same mm-hmm. as recognizing that you're part of a deeper part of a bigger universe. You know, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Like, the exercise that Izumi made Ed now do as children, I feel like, made them more humble. It's more to recognize that they're a much smaller part of, like, a bigger mm-hmm. world. As opposed to this a-hole mm-hmm. being, like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm making myself a bigger part of the world or something like that. Yeah. Like whatever the opposite of that is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think uh, the way I'd put it is, um, in that phrase, you're the one... And like everything else is the all, and he's trying to he's trying to be the all mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. everyone else's. You know, they're the ones. Mm-hmm. Yes, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's like they're like everything else will be a part of me rather than I'm part of everything I'm else. Part of a bigger... yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I did enjoy Izumi and Olivier just straight up like punching slash kicking him in the face. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, they're great just... together. Mm-hmm. They're definitely great together. I love them together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how they obviously get along really well, too. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> it's like Armstrong and Sig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. A friend. Yeah. <laughs> Rise. <laughs> 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 Not as muscle bound, oh. but just as yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I've never realized how similar they are, Azumi mm-hmm. and, and Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, kind of ruthless and. and kind of cold well at least like strict and logical you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but definitely gooey on the inside yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i wouldn't say ruthless i would say like determined Mm -hmm. um um principled i mean definitely like hard yeah well well, but they're they're hard on on other people Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. they don't try and be make life easier for them they're like life's tough you got to deal with it Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna throw you with the wolves and you know of course i'm gonna make sure you're fine but Mm -hmm. like you know, you got to learn to survive on your own, that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like they're both kind of like, it's like, I expect the best because I know you're capable of the best kind of leaders. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And also kind of like the way, like Izumi gave Ed now a chance, and Olivier also kind of gave them a chance. Like how Olivier was like, I make my own judgments about people. I feel like Izumi is also like that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It's like once they've kind of made a decision about you, then they trust you or not, but like. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're sort of like good judges of character, or like picky about the people that they're they associate with closely and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're similar in that way too. Yeah, but yeah, I think like just the way how their their sort of like general principles are definitely aligned, which is why they mm-hmm. punch the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed Izumi's like speech too to the other soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, yo, this guy just wants to sacrifice everybody. Are y'all cool with that? And they were like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. Search your heart. She says, search your heart and choose the path that you won't be ashamed of, which I really liked. Search your feelings. You you know it to be be true. true. (laughs) (laughs) I also immediately thought that and I chuckled to myself. (laughs) Although I feel like that was more about accepting the past rather than standing up for yourself. (laughs) Slightly different. Mm -hmm. Not everything can be about Star Wars, jeez. <laughs> well, Star Wars also has a lot of esoteric bullshit, so it's all kind yeah. of <laughs> cool, the same plane. 
I think there's a side comic where like Araka is like drunkenly discussing her Star Wars opinions with coworkers or something. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean Araka is definitely like a, a nerd for sure. If you yeah. write this kind of story, then you would have to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we stated before, I want to be Arakawa's friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Denny Brush is there now. Yay. Yay. They reunited. Yay. And it feels so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For Denny, mm-hmm. at least. Maria was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moderately embarrassed or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, she's alive. Mm-hmm. Now he can't be mad at Roy anymore. This is perfect. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I do think it's sweet. I like. Like, she spots him, like, coming through and is like, don't worry, it's someone we can trust. Like, mm-hmm. 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 It was cute. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's actually there to negotiate or if he just wanted to get in the building or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we'll also yeah. find out next time, but I don't know. <laughs> They're not really making any demands. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, sure, negotiate, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody, he walked up to the radio station and everybody's like, we got to send somebody in and negotiate with the rebels. And he's like, I'll do it, me, me, pick yeah. me. <laughs> I have no ulterior motives whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> I came here on my day off just to be <laughs> a negotiator. <laughs> like, sure, that guy. <laughs> I totally forgot that there were five labs. I'm pretty sure they mentioned this before. Where they're like, oh, yeah, there used to be five labs, like, casually. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Damn it, past Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, no, it all makes sense. Because it yeah. seemed like you, when they go to the one abandoned lab, wasn't that one lab five? The one mm-hmm. they blew up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was lab yeah. number five. Right. And so I, was, I totally forgot about that. But there was like the transportation circle that was there. And you're like, oh, that's probably a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had yeah. that way back when. And then you had the like the curved tunnel that Riza talks about like, mm-hmm. a little yeah. while back. And it's like, oh, it's all coming together i don't feel like the tunnel was always it's always to me at least it was always sort of like implied that it was it's a connection between mm-hmm. multiple points on the circle yeah i guess there's like mm-hmm. a inner tunnel within central and then there's like mm-hmm. the outer tunnel that sloth was digging before yeah. like that went up to mm-hmm. yeah the like thing. the one the one the doctor activated is just across central you can see yes. but, uh, mm-hmm. then there's the uh, the nationwide transmutation circle mm-hmm the, uh, the crest of blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carve a crest of blood. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he did something. I mean, he sacrificed the um, the five, the leftovers. Five, yeah, the mm-hmm. leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. To kind of like kick off some the this transmutation into Mestris, which I guess is just to maybe to capture their uh, human sacrifices, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And we only showed Adele and Izumi. Maybe they also got Hohenheim too, though. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I think the implication is that like each of those labs has the you know the creepy uh, chamber with the transmutation mm-hmm. circle underneath it, and I guess the like sacrifices that happened on the circles is the like the equivalent of the, mm-hmm. the yeah the equivalent of the yeah the blood being spilled. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like this one was like I guess the last one or whatever. Maybe they're saving it for later. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. this is like his like central location. Maybe. Like, they're all kind of like under the um, central, like main building. So yeah, maybe that's the main one in the middle or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The imagery of the portal opening with the eye is always so deeply unsettling. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good, but it's really unsettling. Yeah, and I like that it's like three dimensional. Mm-hmm. Like it's like mm-hmm. same with like when it showed the giant one 
in like Xerxes. It was like yeah. this huge eye over like all of Xerxes. And it was creepy as fuck. Yeah. But this time also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think like how cleanly it takes its like targeted people is also like really but, unsettling. Yeah. Like you were talking about but the like Azumi's hand just like dissolving right out of mm-hmm. Olivier's, but like even in the other places, it's like these people are like right next to like Adnell and then they're just gone. It's not like the uh, like out of control gluttony portal that just took yeah. off of Al's hand or whatever half mm-hmm. of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a big like laser beam portal. That yeah, chunks off of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it just it was purposeful. Those people mm-hmm. were captured specifically. So yeah. like I don't know, I don't know. Maybe the doctor knows about them or something. Whoever I feel like somebody would have to like make that decision to pull mm-hmm. them into the portal somehow. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, the, the doctor's been involved in the plan for a really long time, so. True. Yeah. I actually kind of wonder if the doctor is, like, somehow partially related to the homunculus or something at this point. Because he's been around for a while, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. Was he, was he young in the flashback? He was old he was, still. He was less old. Like, he's noticeably older yeah. now old. than, okay. than he was in the flashback. But he wasn't a young man. No, he wasn't. He was I, like, com- I remember commenting I guess, that he guess... was old when we saw him the first time. <laughs> That was what, like, Bradley was around 18 or something around that yeah, time? Yeah, so it would have been like so 40, 40 ish years ago. I would say yeah. the doctor was probably like in his 40s at the youngest at that okay, point, so yeah. he's probably like in his 80s. Yeah, okay. And I raised suspicions cool. earlier that he'd been like dipping into the Philosopher's Stone to keep himself mm-hmm. younger, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because he yeah. also was missing a tooth. You'd think that he would just fix that if he was doing that. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, I do like Not that he is, like, notice. Yeah, he is, like, noticeably older. He seems mm-hmm. pretty old. He shows up in the present timeline, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. like, more yeah. wrinkles and, like, the liver spots and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he has more liver spots. And it, mm-hmm. I think the one tooth, the one that I just commented about, is also not missing initially. The gold tooth is always there, but yeah. mm-hmm. then that other one is missing when he's old, when he comes back and he's older. Yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely visibly older. I want to know what his deal is. Like, where did he come from? He's like, I'm the philosopher from the north. The mom feels is like, interesting. I feel like he's just some guy who is like, amoral science, you say? <laughs> <laughs> Tenting his fingers. Sign me up. Like, Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically like Mr. Burns and the fact that he's like ancient and like, <laughs> continu- continues to live. <laughs> No, I don't know. I, I wish there was a little bit more about him. Maybe there will be. There's a little enough chapters left. Unless he was just there to, like, open the portal or whatever, and now he's just, like, all right, like, he's, <laughs> you know, a semi-disposable but recognizable character, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, I like... he doesn't even have a name. Like, that's Yeah, crazy. it is. I was gonna say, it's interesting, like, what characters don't get a name sometimes in the series. Because, yeah. like, a lot of the, like, characters that I just call, like, the older general or whatever, it's like, they actually have names. It's just, like... Mm-hmm only stated in like random bits of dialogue so i don't bother like mm-hmm. putting it in our narration because no one's gonna remember who like clemens versus like like i think the old guy that azumi and uh olivier beat up is named edison or something mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but like yeah, that's only mentioned in like random dialogue later on but <laughs> well it's kind of like the old maid from furuba like she's like a main character and she mm-hmm. never has a name but she's like clearly a semi-important character yeah Should i tweeted arakawa and ask her what the doctor's name is <laughs> yeah. somebody must have done that i can't believe that he doesn't have a name maybe he's the big booty alchemist <laughs> 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 
It's like that's why the the character was deleted. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking he lost his big booty in a, an alchemy accident when he became the sketchy old doctor. It's like some weird like super villain story. <laughs> yeah, he's like now I have to be the gold tooth doctor. That's not as cool. <laughs> gold tooth doctor alchemist. He's not a. He doesn't have a, a state alchemy license. Probably not. Perhaps, <laughs> for obvious reasons. He went to his licensing exam, and they're like, so what do you do? And he's like, oh, here, let me show you how I sacrifice people. Lots of stuff. And they're like, oh, we can use him, but just keep him in the lab underground. Yeah. <laughs> it still does make Show Tucker even worse. That's like they know how to do all this like other crazy alchemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, you know, like fucking around, mm-hmm. making like shitty chimeras, and they're all like, good for you, Show Tucker. Mm-hmm. Good participation trophy yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> but yeah it is it is really creepy it is also the panel i thought the panel especially uh, i think i mentioned this already but the panel especially of izumi getting sucked into the portal where like olivier is like trying to like grab her hand and like almost like pull her out but it's like mm-hmm. you can't because it's magic mm-hmm. so yeah because I think they were just like, the just like still shaking hands when the portal opened. Yeah. And then like, yeah. Yeah. It's like she disintegrates right out of her hand. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. And then, I don't know, Sig, uh, mm-hmm. going after her. Mm-hmm. Like, he's real beat up about it. Mm-hmm. It looks yeah. like. Yeah. Well, Sig also knows what the fuck is up because I think he knows about what happened before. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it was to a certain extent, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's just, it's a very nice detail. Yeah, it's a nice little reaction um, from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's like, underneath it, you see, what, Yoki hiding and Heinkel and... <laughs> I don't know whose shoes those even are. there? He's in the panel where Al disappears. He's like, oh, he is. He's, yeah. like, he's like on his Screaming. knees with his hands over his head. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember Which, to be fan, that's probably like, how I would react to. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. oh shit. Toki was like, I didn't want to be involved in any of this yeah. alchemy nonsense. <laughs> I just wanted to be a petty ruler of my little yeah. town. <laughs> He's like, I didn't want to He's be like, on this I was just a guy with a coal mine. <laughs> so you guys came along and ruined everything. And I like how Heinkel's like, I'm not going there where that big eye is going to open up in a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't have any other notes. Mm-hmm. I love that Yuki crashed their car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a good detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that until you mentioned it in your summary. I was just like, oh, the car's parked kind of weird. <laughs> then I saw the like lampposts that they hit or whatever. <laughs> I feel like I'm really losing all the effect reading these on like e readers and like smaller screens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fine the next uh out the next um full metal edition comes out soon i think oh yeah now that i think about it i better make sure it's going to the right house oh yeah people buy your house will be like what the heck (laughs) (laughs) what is full metal alchemist i think it's the greedling volume so they'd be like who's this handsome guy they're gonna say he's this creepy guy because he's like it's the it's the version where he's like greeting out and so he has like red eyes and pointy teeth or whatever august 10th 
Guys, it's coming out like next uh, week. It's supposed to arrive next week. Yeah. Yay. Uh, maybe talking a little bit more about Fu and Ling, because of course that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you just want to talk but, about Ling. Um, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of brought out how um, Ling, similar to when Lan Fan got her arm chopped off, refuses to leave his, his allies behind. Mm. And mm-hmm. They decide that it's better to sort of make the uh, sacrifice themselves for Ling's sake. And, um, I don't I, know, I wanted... I, <sighs> go ahead. I see. I like in general, there's kind of a thing in this series of, like, you can kind of judge the nature of a person by, like, the loyalty of their subordinates. Because, mm. like, mm-hmm. we, like, repeatedly see that, like, Roy's greatest strength is, like, his... Like, his, uh, like, attitude and personality that draws, like really loyal people to him mm-hmm. and then like before we're 100 percent sure of like olivier's um you know like moral stance it's like you kind of like get the hint that she's good just from how loyal her subordinates are up in briggs and we're still seeing yeah. that with like when she's like telling the the briggs soldiers to like not to wait for her and make their escape from. and they like mm-hmm. they always hesitate before they're like okay mm-hmm. yeah i feel like when they say okay what they are saying is like <laughs> fine and then yeah. like they're not gonna do it basically yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like where they like we saw they uh asked izumi to go and help her and, and she's like which mm-hmm. i did not tell them to do <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 she's like those assholes or whatever yeah <laughs> those like <sighs> what did she call them she said like those like meddling derelicts like, or something derelicts or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. something like that <laughs> Yeah, and then like even Ling was a little bit sketchy at the beginning when he was first introduced, mm-hmm. but like how incredibly loyal like Lan Fan and Fu were to him. Yeah, it's, like obvious from the start. So yeah, he just showed up and ate all their food and then bailed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that Ling? Oh, what a long time ago, Ling. <laughs> but then he carried Lan Fan after her arm almost got chopped off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, "Stop carrying me," and he was like, "Fuck no." Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what happened. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that the, in the story even though like Roy and Olivier and stuff are like you know they're they're um, sort of like uh, not morals their goals are sort of like questionable at first like who's kind of side they're mm-hmm. on at first but I think I like that there isn't really hasn't really been any kind of like bait and switch where you're like oh I trust this character and then it turns out they're bad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like Prince Hans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like a character that all the characters trust who, who backstabs them. Like everybody's kind of like, they go from being sort of like questionable to good or bad. Like Hohenheim, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Like you think Hohenheim mm-hmm. is like, you're like, I don't know. He's kind of weird, but he's never really good or bad. It's just like Ed being like, he's an asshole, but he never really acts like an asshole. And then eventually, mm-hmm. defense, you you know, the whole story is revealed, right? But mm-hmm. there's nobody who's like, I'm, I mean, at least, I don't know. So far, there's there's the, the tide could turn at some point and somebody could be backstabby. But I feel like so mm-hmm. far, there hasn't been one character where you really trust them. And then um, they've been there's been a betrayal or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, except for the homunculus, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. Because the mm-hmm. homunculus... Like father gained Hohenheim's trust basically, and then you took advantage of him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but we that knew was at that uh, point, though. Yeah, it didn't like. I mean, I would say uh, I, I'm trying to remember if if like 
No, look. Yeah, there wasn't Matt anything that like betrayed like all... the audience expectations. Rather, that's, than, yeah, like, that's really what I mean. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like like we knew, yeah. like even if that was the only like, even if we saw like Hohenheim's backstory completely in isolation from the rest of the series, it's like mm-hmm. the homunculus is obviously sketchy to the audience. Yeah. like <laughs> from the start, yeah. so it's not at all surprising that he betrayed Hohenheim's yeah. trust. Yeah, the homunculus is kind of a like whatever snake in the Garden of Eden type. Mm-hmm. being like mm-hmm. take the knowledge and whatever so i feel like we're primed for it to suspect the homunculus of having bad intentions which it yeah. obviously did yeah i feel like there's nothing that like like tricks the audience like even if you like mm-hmm. are surprised by how a character turned out it's like when you go back you're like okay the hints were always there like mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's what i mean it's like there's mm-hmm. nothing really wrong with hohenheim but, i mean and he could go it could go either way for a while but yeah there's nothing misleading mm-hmm. it's more like ambiguous yeah and characters mm-hmm. characters are left ambiguous which i kind of like i guess that's kind of just a storytelling style on arakawa's part like, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to do with like the characters themselves i guess but yeah more, like, i think it's also just a like you know natural consequence of writing you know complex characters like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Prince isn't necessarily that complex. Yeah. <laughs> his whole deal was to hide his motives. That was his, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his, let me, let me critically analyze Frozen for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen some people like actually too, too critically analyze Frozen. I've seen people, um, <laughs> like complain about the, like, how, like most of the like twists with Hans works, except there's a couple of cheats where like, there's no reason for him to be like, acting because there's nobody around but the audience you mean like, like after he, after she leaves yeah after they leave mm-hmm. yeah but he doesn't want everybody to suspect him of having because his intention no, isn't to no what i mean is like there's um like what people point is to is like when like he first meets um what's her face anna mm-hmm. they like have their like, little moment and then like after she leaves he has like the little like love struck look where it's like mm-hmm. it's like there's no one for him to be acting for like mm. it's just for the audience to trick the audience rather than any of the characters so i've seen people complain about that being kind of a cheat yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah right mm-hmm. it's like there are other characters who you could mm-hmm. i don't know like the, i feel like there are other stories where you could have like a similar thing that they don't like that where that doesn't happen like mm-hmm. um like i'm thinking of um like tangled which is basically opposite where like the mother is like a you know should should be a like a caring figure but she's really like she always had bad intentions from the beginning of, of before the story even started if that makes mm-hmm. sense so we're even in her in her like dialogue and her songs and stuff it's presented her her motivations are presented in a i haven't also haven't mm-hmm. thought about this before this is completely off the cuff but mm-hmm. her motivations are presented in like a in a nefarious way, as opposed to Prince Hans, who, as you said, yes, it's like acting directly to, or as others have said, I guess, mm-hmm. based on what you're saying, is like, yeah, it's all it's all about deceiving the audience specifically rather than, yeah. like, specifically on a, or whatever, whoever, mm-hmm. all the characters within the story. Yeah. And then you have, like, the other guy who turns out to be a good guy, the guy from Wesselton or whatever. Who's there, like plotting secretly to figure out whatever for the audience, and then you mean Alan Tudyk? (laughs) Is it Alan Tudyk? Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) That it totally makes sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like 
his sort of intentions, his nefarious intentions are shown plainly to the audience and he's deceiving the char- other character, trying to deceive the other characters or kind of like be smooth with the other characters or whatever. But Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Actually, do you want to talk about the like, the like decision that to like sort of blame, put the blame on the Briggs troops? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, Which I think yeah. is like kind of interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. like there's no like, pretending they're not involved like mm-hmm. you know with the fear of actor like well we can't just claim that like everyone fighting the central troops is still good so mm-hmm. because they can't point Breda is a very interesting character in the end like he's mm-hmm. always been kind of like subtle and sort of like quietly in the background mm-hmm. but the fact that he's like trying to orchestrate this whole like campaign mm-hmm. um like mm-hmm. information campaign that they're doing is very interesting yeah yeah he's always been the like like, it doesn't come up that often, but he was always Roy's strategist, like, in that, like, mm-hmm. the, like, scene where he's gathering all his, like, subordinates. It's, like, mm-hmm. he was picked because he's really good at strategy, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he's shown to be pretty, like, not ruthless, but kind of that word, like, we've seen, yeah, like, kind, kind of, of in the, uh, yeah, like, he was the one that Roy sent to, like, meet with oh, Maria yeah. Ross and get the right. information and possibly shoot her if she turned out to actually oh, have yeah, yeah, been yeah. involved in killing Hughes so. to judge Maria Ross's character mm-hmm. yeah you're totally right about that and he's the one who's like yes you are a naive idiot to Ed in that scene <laughs> <laughs> but I like that um yeah they're so like oh the Briggs troops are fighting and he's like Briggs troops you say I can use this to my advantage basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's like I'll get right on saying that that's what's happening mm-hmm. it's very interesting yeah because yeah, originally they were kind of trying to say that the like higher ups close to the Fuhrer were the ones that Roy was suspicious of. Mm-hmm. So now they can be like, oh, it was um, Olivia Armstrong who said that mm-hmm. they were bad. Yeah, she's the one who's in the in the like leadership or whatever. Yeah, you know? she's the one in command. So it's not a bad strategy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because they're <laughs> yeah, like, still oh. just trying to keep like the public opinion on their side. Mm-hmm. 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 I guess none of them are going to tell Mrs. Bradley that her son is a homunculus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> or that Bradley himself is. True. Yeah. It's a conversation there's no easy way into, probably. <laughs> <laughs> How did you survive the train crash, honey? <laughs> well, sick with my special Have you ever played ones. Mario? <laughs> <laughs> look, looks like a funny story, ones. so... <laughs> yeah, I just planned my path by hopping through the debris, you know. It's like, so I was raised in an underground bunker with a bunch of other orphans, <laughs> and... <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's a miracle. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> a miracle. I don't think Mrs. Bradley will question it. <laughs> Magic happens every day in a mistress. So. <laughs> I wonder where Pride is right now. We haven't seen. Uh... He got r- no. Yeah, well, he kind of got ran over, and then he ate Kimberly. But he ate after Kimberly. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and we haven't seen him since then. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that was the last panel we saw of him was the shadow mm-hmm. looming over yes. Kimberly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kimberly definitely but- deserved his fate in the end. Mm-hmm. And the and he mm-hmm. found out his answer, which is the homunculi one. Yeah. <laughs> At least as far as he'll ever know. Mm-hmm. Like the last poor Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed him for the times that he was there. Mm-hmm. Being a weirdo. Being an absolute crazy weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's all I had. Well, 
that's good because now I can go finish reading it <laughs> <laughs> or go Sounds read the next. Good. What actually? What are we gonna read next time? Next okay, time is a big one. We're gonna read <gasps> 100, 101, and one hundred two. Whoa! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that's actually ma- that's manageable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. It just means there's more more to read. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's 102. And then after that, it'll be 103 and 104, 105 and 106, right? That's, and then 107, 108? Yep. This will be our so last, uh, right. our last uh, three chapter one. Next. Ooh. Although the last so one is, um, yeah. The last two chapters are A, very long, and B, also includes some little like bonus material that's in the final Ooh. volume. So that'll also bonus. be a long episode, even though it's only two chapters. Ooh. Exciting! Mm-hmm. Wow! And then we'll do a recap, and then that'll be it. There's like that means there's like five episodes left in this podcast. Oh my god! There, yeah, good <gasps> math. Good math. <laughs> Did we do math on this podcast well, correctly? Successfully, mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to start <laughs> soliciting questions soonish. Yeah, I'll do it right now. Hey, if you have <laughs> questions for us, you can send them to our our things. Our Tumblr is equivxpod. And our Twitter is also EquivexPod. And you can send an email. It's also EquivexPod at gmail.com. And you can also uh, send us questions through our web, like contact form on our website, which is staytogethernetwork.com, I think. I think, Stay Together Network. And, or, you know, whatever. You can, you can use Google and then find <laughs> the site and there'll be a form there. <laughs> Classic. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll be doing another, yeah, we'll be doing another, uh, Big finale wrap-up episode, kind of like our mid-series one. So, yeah, yeah, questions, we'll comments. Too late for concerns, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can send them anyway. But <laughs> yeah, it'll be too late by then. <laughs> yeah, we're really getting there. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about questions, yeah. and I want to know what happens. It'll mm-hmm. be a good time. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, get your opinion okay. on the full series once you finish it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be like, wow, esoteric bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> actually, government conspiracies. And then, then like, let me tell you about the Kabbalah. identity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by then, maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll finally fully understand Kabbalah, <laughs> and I'll be able to just manifest whatever I want. That's It'll just be works, like right? this, like holy ringing sound as you talk to us in the final episode because you've achieved enlightenment by finishing *Fullmetal Alchemist*. <laughs> <laughs> I become one with the universe, always one, and one is all. And then I just like materialize an ice cream cone in my hand. <laughs> oh wait, no. By then I'll have achieved enlightenment, and I won't have any earthly desires. So I guess I won't eat the ice cream. Wait, we should say goodbye now. Yeah. Bye. So- <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> then end the recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. See you next week, one hundred through one hundred two. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you then. Bye. You'll hear us. Bye. <laughs> they'll see the little the little doohickey go across their screen. Mm, okay, yeah, they'll fair, see the little enough. yeah the progress bar and like yeah. they'll see our um, album art or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. They might they'll see, see our souls. Somewhere. They'll definitely see our souls <laughs> because they come across in our voices a hundred percent. You know, they say the voice is the gateway to the soul. (laughs) (laughs) Recording is happening.
Harley, get out. I mean. <laughs> How do we start this podcast again? <laughs> Hello. together a podcast about Right, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cosmo just saying hello. <laughs> I was going to go further, but you interrupted me. That's what happened. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Just <laughs> like, hi. Howdy. Hey. It's like, this is equivalent How's to it going? the podcast about the Full Metal Alchemist thing. It's a manga. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you some facts. <laughs> It's like the act vipers are the cutest snake. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did you know that vipers look like little dragons? As soon as he started flying around, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those nights. I was hoping he'd be like worn out from his uh, adventure. Maybe he's still. I think he's. I think he's had his second wind. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bird. It's easy for him to get a second wind. Yeah. <laughs> He weighs 68 grams. I know that because he's weighed today. That's like a whole bag of potato chips. Mm-hmm. It's slightly more than two ounces. Whoa. Two Come here, boo-boo. ounces. Come on. Come over here now before we start. Oh, Come I missed on. my opportunity. For what? I was about, oh, which Graham? Lindsey Graham? Graham Norton? <laughs> he Those are the only two, two grams. grams I know. All the grams. He has 68 of them. <laughs> that's got to be, that's got to cover all the famous grams. <laughs> Mm, fair enough. I can't think of any additional grams. So. Telegram? Second. <laughs> Graham cracker. You already said Graham Norton and Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. Like Alexander Graham. Graham cracker Bell. was named after some guy named Graham, and it was like an anti masturbation thing. What? What? <laughs> no, hold on. <laughs> I think we have to talk about It's this. supposed to be like a really bland, like food that wouldn't inspire any passion or whatever <laughs> it's one of those ridiculous things i heard it on a podcast i listened to recently it's like the opposite of a like vibrator <laughs> sylvester graham he believed that minimizing pleasure and stimulation of all kinds in- <laughs> including the preventive prevention of masturbation coupled with a vegetarian diet anchored by bread made from wheat <laughs> coarsely ground at home was how god intended people to live <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think that that's it's how like God food, people to It's live. like food other than other than bread and graham crackers are too exciting. He was just like a... <laughs> like a... Was it the Branch Davidians? I don't know. Like all those cult leaders are always like, here, have have gruel. Like that's yeah. what, what I'm thinking of. <laughs> it's like jokes on him because now we make s'mores with them, which yeah, is a very exciting you, food. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely turned on by s'mores. <laughs> I couldn't even get through my own joke without laughing. <laughs> and also, please, graham crackers. I'm looking at like the thing, and it's like graham cracker crust for pie, like mm-hmm. the ultimate indulgence. Because mm-hmm. then they put like goo on top, flavored delicious mm-hmm. goo. Yeah, and, like cheesecake. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, he basically fucked up. Is what mm-hmm. I'm All right, should probably anyway. start. <laughs> Six minutes in, record mm-hmm. timing. <laughs> Have we ever started, clicked record and immediately started recording? There's always like no. another tangent. <laughs> yes. You should have just stayed quiet and ran away. <laughs> really? You're you too. You should have just stayed <laughs> yeah. quiet and ran away. <laughs> He's like, I will not be silenced. He's like, I want it all. Seats. <laughs> Closet time. 
<laughs> Nutra berries. I want it all. <laughs> I become one with the universe. Always one and one is all. And then I just like materialize an ice cream cone in my hand. <laughs> oh, wait, no. By then I'll have achieved enlightenment and I won't have any earthly desires. I guess I won't need the ice cream. Be able to like, just... light myself on fire and whatever and not die. <laughs> That kind of stuff. You'll summon it, but you won't eat it. It'll just melt in your mm-hmm. hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, it's returning to the its natural state. It's one <laughs> This is what enlightenment is, right? <laughs> Sounds right to me. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll just become one of those monks that like go to baseball games and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, and now we're like monks in the big city traveling around. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I always it sounds like a great doing. reality show. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> shitty like Amish reality show, but much yeah. better. Monks Breaking Amish? City. That's what it was called. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember this... that existing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there was like the horrible Amish Mafia one, too. I forgot. I just like completely blocked that out of my mind until just now. <laughs> monks in the big city. <laughs> monks in the city. Like sex in the city, but monks... <laughs> Wasn't there a cartoon called Sheep in the Big City? Yeah, I was just about to say that. I was like, isn't that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just Googling monks in the city to make sure their idea is good. (laughs) Faux monks are scamming New York City tourists. (laughs) Unacceptable. (laughs) How dare. How dare they pretend to be monks. Making a monkery of things. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you make a pun about monks. They're clearly not enlightened. <laughs> You're like, obviously I am. I made a great pun. Puns are the case. highest form of humor and therefore enlightenment. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm sorry for questioning you and your powers. <laughs> if, you be- if you become enlightened, do you get like vegan powers? <laughs> Just better than other people. <laughs> if you knew the science, maybe I'd listen to a thing you're saying.